Part 9 of Extracts from a Diary Kept by the Reverend R. Burroughs During Heke's War in the North in 1845 This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Conclusion A short account of the afterlives of the two men, Heke and Kawiti, who took the lead in the war, may serve as a finish to these extracts. Heke had been in very indifferent health before the war ended, and independent of any other consideration, was glad to be able to retire inland. I saw him shortly after the proclamation was made known. It would have been too much to have expected him to say he was glad to have peace, but he did say, It rests with the governor. If we are left alone, we shall leave the Pakeha, foreigner, alone. And in no case, he added, shall we build another pa. Some time after this the governor paid a visit to the bay, and came inland to see the localities of the two pars where the first and second conflicts had taken place, Maue and Ohaiwai. His Excellency expressed a wish to shake hands with Heke, and asked me if I thought I could arrange a meeting. I undertook to do my best, and a morning or two afterwards the governor and Heke met and breakfasted together at my table. The interview was not a long one, and no reference was made to the past. Heke and the people who were with him were encouraged to return to industrial habits, and assured of the Queen's regard for the welfare of the Maori race, etc. Whilst the Governor was speaking, I could see an occasional glance from Heke to the chiefs who were sitting on the floor around, which, from long familiarity with his face and manner, I had no difficulty in interpreting to mean we will wait and see. He was very nervous, partly from his then weak state of health, and partly from his position. His bodyguard, consisting of some eight or ten of his leading men, all armed with some small weapon carefully placed under their blankets, mats, or other garments, kept close by him. A short time after breakfast, the governor shook hands with Heke, and several of the chiefs who were present, and thus separated Her Majesty's representative and John Heke Pokai. Kawiti was now an old man, but hearty. He, however, had no objection to peace, and quickly settled down at Kawakawa. Before the governor paid his visit to Heke, Sir Everard Holm, then captain of HMS Calliope, was visiting the Bay of Islands, and came inland to visit Ohewai and the district around asked me if I would accompany him and Dr. Shortland to Kawiti's settlement at the Kawakawa, as he was very desirous to see him. The time was arranged. I joined them at the bay, and we pulled up the river. Kawiti received the captain of the Kaliope quietly, and without any parade. After a little conversation on other subjects, Sir Everard said, Well, Kawiti, it is peace now. Kawiti replied, Ke yakoto. It is for you to say if you have had enough, then we will say we have had enough. The captain ejaculated, Well, you are a noble specimen of a New Zealand savage. When Sir Everard visited the site of the old pa at Ohawai, I introduced him to Penitani, the chief of the place, as the captain who commanded the North Star at the time the war was going on at Ohewai. Oh, said Penny to me, aside, this is the captain who supplied the shots we have lying about here, and giving a hint to a youth who was standing by, 
the lad started off and in a few minutes returned with a bag on his shoulders holding something of considerable weight and at a nod from penny he rolled some half-dozen nine-pound shot at sir everard's feet the chief asking him at the same time if he had seen them before sir everard was greatly amused and much pleased with his visit he asked penny if he felt the place to be his home again he replied it is only now you have paid me this visit that i begin to feel i am on my own land the time that intervened between the close of the war and hecke's death was some four or five years it was clear to us who watched him that he was in consumption he became gradually weaker and weaker i saw him occasionally but our missionary the rev r davis who was stationed at kaikohe visited him frequently he lived and died a christian by profession at least may we not hope he found mercy at last at his death there was great contention as to what should be done with the body some wishing for a christian burial others tried to get possession of it to put it away in a box or coffin generally on a stage with a view to a hahunga that is after twelve or eighteen months bringing it forth and making a great to-do over the bones and then carrying them away to some maori burial place generally a cave it was ultimately disposed of in this way the body was placed in a permanent coffin and at the time appointed the rev r davis was requested to perform over it the usual burial service altering the words we therefore commit his body to the ground etc to others suitable to the occasion after the service was over the coffin was committed to the care of a few men chosen for the purpose and conveyed away to a perpendicular cave at some considerable distance the exact locality not known even to the present day to the natives generally but supposed to be a cave near pakaraka called putahi kawiti lived some years longer professed christianity before his death and was baptized tamate wakanene was justly treated by the government when they voted him a pension of one hundred pound per annum for life he lived chiefly in the bay of islands after the war on friendly terms with all the natives of that part of the district including those who were more or less mixed up with heke and kawiti in the doings at kororareka in his declining years he made the little town of russell his chief place of abode where he was treated with the greatest respect by both europeans and maoris waka died on the fourth of august eighteen seventy one the government gave him as far as circumstances would allow what may be termed a public burial on the monument erected to his memory by the government in the consecrated burying ground surrounding our church at russell is the following to the memory of tamata wakanini chief of ngapuhi the first to welcome the queen's sovereignty in new zealand a consistent supporter of the pakehas this stone is erected by the government of the colony which for upwards of thirty-one years he faithfully upheld sage in council renowned in war he died regretted by all the inhabitants of these islands at russell on the fourth of august eighteen seventy one reflections it is not easy even to guess what dimensions hecke's rebellion would have spread had not wacker taken up arms in defence of law and order as a loyal subject of the queen 
the government doubtless did right in not inviting the help of the maori to fight in the ranks of the soldiers against his own countrymen but in this instance there was great cause for thankfulness that they did so by it much blood and treasure were saved and the war much more speedily brought to an end the plan adopted by the governor to put an end to fighting was in my opinion a wise one and prevented any more humiliating reverses which would certainly have been the result of following the rebels farther into the interior they had fully decided not to build any more pars but to entice their enemy into a more inaccessible part of the country towards hikoranga experience has taught us that an ordinary trained soldier is no match for the maori in high fern scrub and bush who thinks it no want of courage or bravery to fight and run away and fight again another day then again the not insisting upon certain lands being given up as a compensation for the mischief they had done and as an acknowledgment of being in the wrong served to disarm hecke and his party of what they considered their strong argument namely that the government was fighting to get possession of their country from eighteen forty six to the present time the natives of the north have given the government very little trouble they have been the most law-abiding of any of the tribes in new zealand and as a whole perhaps are the most civilised in social order and religion they are in advance of most of the others farther south there are at the present time eight ordained maori clergymen working amongst their own people north of auckland in connection with the church missionary society besides several other ministers who have been ordained by the wesleyan body r b end of extracts from a diary kept by the reverend r burrows during the war in the north in eighteen forty five read by phil benson